entitled this message simply, Thou Art Mine. Thou Art Mine. Isaiah 43, beginning to read in verse 1. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I give Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee, since thou wast precious in my sight. Thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore, I will give thee men for thee, and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee, and I will bring thy seed from the east, and gather thee from the west. And I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back, Bring my sons from far, my daughters from the ends of the earth, even everyone that is called by my name. For I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would take your word again and wing it to every single heart. And Lord, that you would enable me, Lord, to bring your word that you would have me to say. Glorify your Son, the Lord Jesus. And Lord, if there's one in here that has not yet come to saving faith in Christ, we pray by tonight, even as Jeff before has prayed, may they be able to say, Thou art mine. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Notice here three words. Three words in the first verse, and it's the last three words. Simply, thou art mine. The Lord says, thou art mine. And the Lord is saying this because if you read the first verse, he says to Jacob or to Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. And the idea here is that before an eternity and way before Egypt or even, pardon me, Israel were in Egypt. Way before that, God had a plan for a certain people and a certain number. And God would call them his own. They would become known as his children or his people. And notice here the Lord says, I have redeemed thee. Yet the Redeemer has not yet come, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Redeemer has not yet come to pay the price. The word there for Redeemer is the word Gael, and it's the same or similar to Goel, the kinsman. I am your kinsman, the one who will take on the same flesh as you and I, and I am the one who will pay your debt. I will come, God says, Yahweh, Almighty, the Creator says, I will come and I will redeem you. You see, in the mind of God, it was already done. It was as though it was already happened, that Christ had already died and risen again. Christ had already shed his blood and paid for it way in eternity. Before there was a sinner on the earth in Adam, there was a Savior in Jesus in heaven. That's important to remember that. 
The cross was not an afterthought after the first covenant failed with Israel. The cross was the continuation of God showing man his sin. God showing man and woman their inability to save themselves, to keep his law, the just demands of a holy God. And so in showing them that, they see that they are sinners, depraved in nature, unable to save themselves nor help themselves. And God in eternity gave to Christ those who would be his. I know this is hard to accept sometimes. And this is a doctrine many people shun and hate because they hate the thought of it. I can't fully grasp it nor understand it at times that why God will look at someone like me when there are good people and better people than me. And yet he looked and seen me in my alcoholism, seen me in my life of drug addiction, and seen me with nothing, nothing to give nor anything to add, yet God would come and see me in my life was full of violence. Yet God, for some reason, he came to me. And he didn't just come to me 22 years ago. He came to me, yes, to bring me out of it 22 years ago, but he chose me in eternity. He chose you in eternity past. You know, we like to say that God is sovereign. We hear all the Christians, we believe in a sovereign God, but God is only sovereign when we allow him on some occasions. That's the way they sound. We believe that God is sovereign, that he is the ruler of all things, that he's the governor of the nations, that nothing happens without God say so. And then when certain things are challenging to them, well, God will move and God can do when I allow him or when I tell him. Friend, I want to tell you, I believe that God is sovereign. Full stop. God is sovereign over all things. Three, three of the most precious of the most sincerely received words of security, of assurance, and of blessing that the believer can hold are these. Thou art mine. Thou art mine. You see, we sang there that wonderful hymn, and in fact, when message to Wendy can we sing this hymn because of the lovely words in it. I call that my funeral hymn. Alison knows anything happens to me, that's the bit my funeral. A sinner saved by grace when thy sweet message came, you're mine, mine, mine. And it's good to know that we can say that we're assured that Jesus, you're mine. Thou art mine, we can say. What a blessing to be able to say that. But that's not the greatest thing. The greatest thing is when you know that God says to you, thou art mine. That's the blessing. That's the strength of our salvation. To know that even in our failures, and even in all, all of our faults, even in our humanity, which lets us all down every day, the Father still says, Thou art mine. He doesn't change his mind. He doesn't try to unborn that which has been born again. But rather, he calls you, and he keeps you. In Isaiah 43, in verse 1, we read of Israel's creator. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel. Israel and Jacob are the same person, but now this is the, the people of Israel, Jacob. Why use the two names? One is the old nature, Jacob, 
Israel is the prince ruling with God, the new nature. And that shows us, you and I, have the nature of Jacob. We're sinners. We're, we're needing saved. We're worms of the dust. And now, in the new covenant, we're Israel. We are the ones who are ruling with Christ, seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, saved by sovereign grace. So he is our creator. And then secondly, we see he's our keeper. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. So he keeps us. You know, when you come to Christ, and Christian, you can testify. Maybe there's someone here, they're not saved, and they say, but I'd never keep this. If I came and gave my life to Jesus, I'd never keep it. You're right, you wouldn't. You'd fail him every second. He keeps you. Yes, we try and live a sanctified life, and we walk the best we can, but nevertheless, it takes his abounding grace over our lives for us to be able to go on in him. Notice here, he is Israel's keeper. And then in verse 3, he is Israel's Savior. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. He is the Savior. And then in verse 4, he is Israel's lover. Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Isn't that beautiful? To know that he's loved us from before the foundation of the world. And to know that as born-again, blood-washed children of God, that he knew us way before we were even born. And he knew us in our sin. And he knew you when you were in the pub. And he knew you when you were in the club. And he knew you when you were high on drugs. And he knew you when you were in the prison house. And he knew you whenever you were getting up to whatever you were getting up to. He knew you, yet he loved you. And way he sent his son that he would come to shed his precious blood and die for you. Yes, even the times when you have been through horrific times in your life, times maybe of breakdowns of families and of homes or of marriages and times when things haven't worked out right for you, times whenever you've been in despair and in distress and all of these things and before you were saved, you were getting up to no good. Friend, I can tell you something. He knew you and he loved you. What a saviour that he knows us every single part. And he says to those who are in Christ in the new covenant, thou art mine. Can you say that tonight? Can you hear him say that to you tonight? You're mine. Why don't you hear him first saying, I love you? Hear him saying to you, Christian afresh tonight, I love you. I've always loved you. I've loved you even when you've let me down. And I've loved you when you've disgraced yourself and disgraced me. And I've loved you when things have went wrong, when things have went bad. And I've loved you all through it all. I have never lifted my love. In fact, before him, under Christ, he just looked down through eternity and seen you in his son. And he's seen you perfect. And he says, you're honorable to me. A rotten, filthy, guilty, hell-deserving sinner. Speaking of me. And he said to me, I love you. I love you. Notice, can you hear him say, thou art mine? Many people say, oh yes, I belong to Jesus. And they're not assured. They're not sure. 
because they're told one thing, then they're told another. Do you know there's some people, and they're called up to an altar every week in church, they get saved all over again. I have something to tell you. See when you're saved. Now I mean when you're truly born again, blood washed and saved, you're saved. The blood of Jesus Christ has the power to cleanse you every moment of every single day. Notice he says, thou art mine. It's wonderful to be able to sing with Anna Hudson as she had written that beautiful hymn. Dear Savior, thou art mine. How sweet the thought to me. Let me repeat thy name and lift my heart to thee. You're mine, mine, mine. I know thou art mine. Savior, dear Savior, I know thou art mine. Assurance of salvation is now. Friend, I know there are and I'm saying this in, with the deepest of respect, and I'm not meaning to offend, but there are half a million Roman Catholics have gathered this day in Dublin to sit under a papal antichrist, a man to bring mass to the masses who's leading men and women to a lost eternity with no assurance of heaven or, but only hell. And there's many, many Protestants are the same. Hearing it in their churches, you're all right the way you are. You're a good man and you're a good woman. Just come to church and be a churchgoer. And brothers and sisters, they're leading men and women into a lost eternity. We must know with assurance in our hearts that we're saved. I'm going to tell you something, brothers and sisters, and this is not an arrogance. This is in total reliance upon Christ and Christ alone. I don't need a man to tell me if I'm saved. I don't care if they agree with me doctrinally or not. That's up to them. But I don't need them to tell me if I'm saved or not. I'm saved by sovereign grace, believing in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know where I was when he lifted me. And I know where I was when he dug me out of the pit. And I know where I was when he saved my soul and changed me. And he healed me too. I know where I was. And now I know where I'm going. And I know I'll be in his kingdom. Notice this. The idea here is thou art mine. That we were singing, I know thou art mine. And that's lovely. But to hear him say, no. Thou art mine. That's the catalyst. That is the catalyst of it all. By the way, a catalyst is simply an event or a person that causes change. He causes the change. He causes the change in life. He causes the change in eternal condition. He's the one who causes the change in all manners of all things to do with your soul's salvation. It's him. It's all to do with his will and his pleasure he is the catalyst of it all. For when he says, Thou art mine, you can be assured you're on the road to glory. You're mine. He says, I have bought you. I have redeemed you. You cannot say, Thou art mine to God. Hey, listen. You cannot say, Thou art mine unto God until God has first said unto you, Thou art mine. 
First John 4.19, John tells us we love him because he first loved us. Listen to what God's word tells us in Romans chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. Paul writes, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. How many is none? None. Not one of us were righteous, wanting God or wanting anything to do with him. Verse 11, he writes, There is none that seeketh after God. Not one man, not one woman. Listen, that's the scripture. That's not me saying that. There's not one that is righteous, so they're lost. And there's not one that was seeking after God. Not one. I found Jesus. No, you did not indeed. Jesus found you. There's none that seeketh after God. Not one. The hearing of the word, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And at the hearing of God's word, we find this, that men and women are strangely warmed, become inquisitive to the things of God, and are realizing they can't explain it, and many times they cannot understand it, nor either comprehend it, but they know there's something happening in it, and it's starting to draw them, awaken them, to quicken them, to speak to them, and then until they're told they don't know what it is, but it is the Holy Spirit. And he's speaking to you. Has the Holy Spirit been speaking to you? Has the Holy Spirit been speaking to someone and saying, you're not saved? You're not saved and you're trusting in this one and trusting in that thing and trusting in the other, trusting in yourself. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you over maybe this past long while or short period of time and you know there's a strange sensation of warming in your heart toward the gospel and towards the claims of Christ on you? Well, you know, that's why the scripture says today, not tomorrow, today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. I hear many people sitting around their hospital beds and they're going to be launched out into eternity. Sit with many, many, many of them. And they're looking at me and I'm speaking to them. I've talked to even family members where I've eyeballed them, eyeball to eyeball, and I've told them they must be born again. They need to get saved. But we're Protestants. Never mind that. You're lost without Christ. And I've eyeballed them and I've said, you must be born again. You must receive Jesus. And they're dead to the point where they die and go out into eternity without Christ. Don't you be that person. Don't be that person. Many say, well, you know, I'll call on them at the last minute. <laughs> There's none that seeketh after God. Not one. And you won't call on him at the last minute, even if you get the chance to, without him calling you first. So today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, 
Now is the day of salvation. That's why those scriptures are written. That if you know it's Christ calling you, then you must answer that call. Isaiah 65 and verse 1. Listen to what the Lord says. I am sought of them that ask not for me. (laughs) That's strange, isn't it? I am sought of them that asked not for me. I was one of those people. I sat after a weekend of drinking drugs fueled in a courtroom on a Friday afternoon down the town fighting in the Belfast city centre. Ended up in a, in a, 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 a house later on at a party and people saying, they start talking for some reason about some friend of, that we all knew who had been uh, come good living was their words in about six, five, six in the morning. I don't know. It was out of my head. And I remember them saying, for some reason, would you ever think about coming good living? I didn't seek for him. And I went, you must be joking. And I cursed and I swore. And away I went up the road and I was going home to kill myself. I was walking home to commit suicide. Well, to a friend's house. I hadn't got a home. I lost it. Lost everything I had. And I didn't seek for him. And I woke up on a floor. And all I can say was, only by the grace of God I'm here. But here's what I'll tell you. I didn't want anything to do with the Mars before. I was saved that night under the sound of the word of God. He sought me where I was. And he sought you where you are. And even if you're in CET or watching this live tonight or whenever, he knows exactly where you are. And if he's speaking to you, then this is him calling you as his own. You must respond. I am sought of them that ask not for me. I am found of them that sought me not. <laughs> How can you find something without looking for it? But the Lord says, well, they have found me, but they didn't look for me. And they sought me without asking for me. Why? Because God came into where they were. And God was the one who done the seeking. Listen to the book of Ephesians chapter 2, please. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. Paul says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. You see, that's the heart of every man and woman. All of us are dead. Dead toward God. We might be walking, might be eating, we might be working, we might be having family life, might even be enjoying it, many of us. But we're dead toward God. We care not for the things of God and care little for the things of Christ. We're dead toward him. You know, I said, dear Savior, thou art mine is my I call it my funeral hymn. And if you're singing that at my funeral, I'm not tending to go anywhere now. (laughs) Not yet. But God will say that. But if you're singing that at my funeral, and you're singing mine, 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 and I sit up and go, I know thou art mine, you'll run out that door, won't you? (laughs) Wouldn't you? You get up and everyone would squeal and scream and run out the door. Because the dead don't react. They know nothing. And spiritually before God we cannot react. We are dead. 
The word is necros. Dead as dead as dead can be. Some Christians are like that too. We're dead until the Holy Ghost comes. And he quickens us or he makes us alive unto God. We are completely unable to save ourselves. You can rub as many beads as you want. You can kiss as many ruby slippers as you like. You can go on as many pilgrimages as you think you need to go on and some more. And you can go to church as many times as you possibly think you can go within the week, within the rest of your life. And you can buy it as many altars you feel you need to buy it. And you can light candles and you can say all these things and do indulgences and so on and so on and so on. You can do it all and still go to hell. Because salvation is by grace through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. No boasting in God's glory. The Lord Jesus said in John 15 and verse 16, He said, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. I'm going to get into the nitty gritty here for 10 or 15 minutes, okay? Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And ordained you. God knew I was going to be a preacher before I even thought I was going to be one myself. In fact, I never thought I was going to be one. I didn't want to be one either. I'm a conscript, believe it or not. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Notice, listen to what Mayer says in his Greek. We are in Christ, not because we hold him, but because he holds us. Simple. The word here for chosen, I, you have not chosen me, I have chosen you, is the word ak lego or ak legome. And it means to pick out. And this is where it gets nitty gritty and people do not like it. Some don't. To pick out from a certain number. Why? I don't know. I don't know. But I'll preach to every creature and God will do the rest. It's not my job to know. Just to obey. It means to pick from a certain number or to make a choice. You see, everyone likes to have a choice in life. Well, I choose who I marry or I'll choose what house I buy and I'll choose my new car and I'll choose what job I get and I'll choose this, that or the other and I'll choose whether to follow God or not. Some people say, yeah, they can all have their choice, but God has no choice. The sovereign being of the universe. If we can negate the sovereignty of God by not responding to his choice, and he is not sovereign. 
In fact, he has lost all sovereignty because it would be his will. Will you turn with me uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, please? First Corinthians chapter one. Now that I run down to verse twenty-six, Paul writes, For you see your calling, brethren, are that not many wise after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And when I get people to say, I love being chosen by God because I'm, I'm so weak and I haven't got a lot of intelligence or whatever they say. I'm not very confident. And he chose the weak to confound these people. And, and they rejoice in that. The idea here is God chose you from before the foundation of the world onto it. Oh, no, don't tell me that, but. That's the problem people have. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. There not be one of us will say, you know what, Jesus, you came with your Holy Spirit and I accepted you because I chose you. <laughs> no way. No way. You're not, you're not going to glory in God's presence. I dare a man or a woman glory in God's presence. Everything is of him. Every part of our salvation is of him. In fact, what he does is he calls us with irresistible grace. Here again, in Ephesians chapter 1, if you'd like to turn with me, please. Ephesians chapter 1. Notice, we'll just jump up and down this chapter for a few minutes. Notice verse 4, he says, According as he hath chosen us in him. Look, I know I asked you to repeat things because I want you to hear yourself read it. I want you to hear yourself say it. Let's read this verse together. Verse 4, shall we? According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that ye should be holy and without blame before him in love. Listen, way back in Isaiah, you see, people think it's like two gods, an Old Testament God and the New Testament God. The Old Testament God is the New Testament God. He's called the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, I have loved you. Notice, we are before him as his people in love. All the wrath that was against you, the handwriting of ordinances that were blotted out on the cross of Calvary, every part of our law breaking, that is the law of God that was against us where we will stand before God and give an account to God on that day, was all poured out the wrath upon his son on Calvary's tree. And listen, he says, you see, I love you. He loved you. The word foundation, by the way, here is the word katabole. Katabole. And it simply comes from two words, kata and balo. Kata and balo. Let me give you an example. Kata is the same word for according 
And I've told you this over again that you'll get it into you. It means, gives the idea of dominance, a pressing down. So according to the dominance of what God is, who God is. So kata means pressing or dominance. Mbole uh, means um, alongside. So when we come to this katabole, that means to cast down or to lay down. Before God, with the power of his word, spoke the very universe and the planetary systems and the world which we're trying to know and the earth on which we live in, before it was spoken and with his dominant power of his word, pressed out into the universe as we know it. He gave us to his son. Think about it. Think about that. Nowadays we're hearing, listen people, find the goodness in yourself. Find the goodness in yourself. You are godlike. You're not. You're a rotten, filthy, hell-deserving sinner. You're a worm of Jacob, dust of the earth. And don't let the devil fool you other ways. But in Christ, (laughs) in the new covenant, you're washed you're bought, you're redeemed, you're saved. And he says, thou art mine, you're my son, and you're my daughter. You're a child of the king of kings. What a difference it is to be in Christ. Notice Ephesians 1 and 5, having predestinated us. Would you say predestinated a big word, isn't it? That's a dangerous word in theology. Would you say it again? Okay, let's look at it. That's in the Bible, isn't it? I didn't tell you to say that. Is that in your Bible? Okay. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. This language just overwhelms me. I feel overwhelmed. He predestinated me to be adopted into his family through the Lord Jesus Christ because my Father, the great eternal Spirit in heaven, calls me to himself because he loves me. And the only way he could was by the giving of his only begotten Son. Think about this. Christian, do you not feel more secure in your salvation? Do you not want to rejoice in him and give glory and honor and praise and thanks unto him? According to the good pleasure of his will. Notice his will. Not your will. I willed it. No, you did not indeed. You were dead. You had no will. The only will you'd have is if you have one written in the solicitor's office. as well. Verse 6 says, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted. Notice, his will now, he made us accepted. I accepted Jesus. No, you didn't. He made you accepted. And the word accepted must be looked at as accepted in the beloved. 
The word accepted here is the word karesteo. And listen to what it means. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted, or he hath made us highly favored. He hath made us to be endued with grace. He hath encompassed us with his favor. And he has honored us with his blessing. Brothers and sisters, this is our God. Father, I don't know why you've done this. And I can't, I can't comprehend it, but I know that I'm so blessed that I'm in you. Is there someone thinking of backsliding? Or maybe in a backsliding condition? How could you backslide from such a God as this? How could you backslide and fall away from such a Savior as this? And he still loves you. He still loves you. The word here, predestinated, it's a big word, parizo, and it means from two words, pro or pra, and it means, which means before. And horizo, and horizo gives the idea to mark out a boundary, to determine, to appoint, to decree. Let me say it again. To mark out a boundary, to determine, to appoint, to decree. So pro means before. Before what? Before he laid down the earth. Before he spoke the words into being and opposed all things by the word of his power. Before it all, he looked down through eternity. He seen his creation. He seen the heavens and the stars and the sun and the moon and the planetary systems. He seen the earth that he would form and the plant life and the animals that he would create. He seen man and he seen Adam in the garden and he seen him sin. <laughs> And he's seen us all fall in Adam's race. Then he's seen right through time and all the history that the Word of God, the Bible tells us. And he's seen the cross. The only way that you and I could be redeemed is for his son to go and pay our debt. To shed his blood. He marked out a boundary past that. He marked out a boundary that 22 years ago, I was going up to commit suicide. I'm saying that it's horrific. The mind of it is horrific. Not saying it in a post. And whatever I done or whatever I didn't do, I don't know. I woke up on a floor in the afternoon sometime. I don't know what happened. But I had marked out a boundary that there was Christians. And they'd been laying hands on me and praying over me. And I woke up. And I can't remember much, but they took me to the church and I heard the claims of Christ in my life and the obstacles that God puts in the sinner's road to stop them going to hell. This tonight is an obstacle to stop a man or a woman going to the lake of fire. God loves you so much. He placed you here tonight and he's placed a great obstacle that you might be saved. And that boundary that night sickened my body. Doctors giving up on me. Drug counselors not knowing what to do with me. Police were chasing after me. I 
heard of the one who came to die for me. And I says, God, didn't even know to call him Lord. I have nothing to give you. My body's wrecked. Eternal bleeding. I don't know what else, where else to go. What I've even, whatever I've tried last this morning or last night, I don't know. I can't remember. It wasn't enough to get me out of this. But if you can do anything with this, wretch, rotten, filthy wretch. If you can do anything with this. Will you save me? It's yours. And he saved me, so. And he forgave me all my sin. And he cleansed me from all my unrighteousness. And he healed my body all the long time. He's kept me for 22 years. Yeah. Did I find Jesus? No. He had marked out the boundary of an eternity. The Father says, My son will find him. He says, I am come to seek and to save that which was lost. I was a lost sheep going astray. And he found me on a mountain of disaster in a pit of despair and he rescued me and I'm sure you've all got your testimony to say of where he found you here the word means to determine Jesus said in Luke 22 and verse 2 the word to mark out he says, truly the Son of Man goeth as it was determined. But woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. The word determined is the same word here. Horizo, from prorizo, from predestined. The Son of Man's going. There's a, a boundary set out. And it's called Golgotha's Hill. The place of the skull. And that's why I'm come, to do my Father's will. He who says you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Believing saint, if we were to read Ephesians chapter 1, let me call these verses out. You can read them when you go home. We're going to wrap this up and go home or sing and go home. Chapter 1, verse 7 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. Let's look at his grace for a moment. Unmerited favor here in Ephesians 1, verses 5 and verse 11 speaks of his own will. We're saved by his own will. In verse 7, we're saved by his blood. In verse 18, it speaks of his calling. Again, in verse 18, of his inheritance. In verse 13, it is his spirit. In verse 14, it is his glory. In verse 19, it is his mighty power. In verse 20, it is by his Son 
who is seated at his right hand. And verse 22, it is his feet. And in verse 23, it says, we are his body. Puritan John Arrow Smith, listen to what he says. In whatsoever dunghills God's elect are hid, election will find them out and bring them home. Now listen, if you have someone and you know they were saved well and gone on with God and something happened and maybe they've went into the world, they're spending their inheritance. They may be in the deepest of dunghills, the most stinking, foulest of dunghills. If they're God's elect, he knows where to find them and he'll bring them home. He will bring them home. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says, In whom the Lord Jesus, that is, ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after ye believed, ye were sealed. Would you say sealed? sealed? You see, first of all, you're saved. And then you are sealed. You're saved. And then you are sealed. It's like a signet ring of a king. And the wax, it impresses into it. And it cannot be opened, neither broken, until it reaches its destination. You are sealed by sovereign grace. You are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation because you are sealed unto the day of redemption. You're his. Are you his? Verse 14 says, Pardon me, you're sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the day of redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So I finish. Thank you for your attention. Isaiah 43, verse 1. We have the Redeemer. And we are called, and he says, Thou art mine. Notice, Thou art mine. We are kept in verse 2. He says, I will be with thee. In verse 3, he tells us he is Lord, God, he is holy, and he is Savior. In other words, he is, here's the words, Yahweh. Elohim. Kadosh. Yasha. Yahweh is the one who came to Adam in the cool of the day. Elohim, the great creator, the same God. Kadosh, holy, means he's set apart. That's why we have the Holy Spirit, the Kadosh. And Savior is Yeshua. As I told you, I think it was a week or two ago. It's where we get the word Yeshua. Jesus. Yahweh is Elohim. The Holy One, he's called Jesus. Isn't that amazing? In verse 10, we are called chosen servants. And in verse 11, he says, he is the only Savior. Let me finish with this thought. 
first of all, he says, I have called thee in verse 1, by thy name thou art mine. See the word name? It's the word shame. As in Shem, Noah's son. But it's slightly different, but it's the same type of meaning. As in shame, it would be spelled S-H-A-M-E rather than S-H-E-M in the English, in the Anglicized version. And what it means, the word name is, um, gives the idea of someone's character, their fame, their personality, who they are. Someone mentions your name, somebody thinks different than others of who you are. That's your name tells who you are. When God looks at us and says, I'll call you by your name, I'll call you exactly for who you are. You're a sinner. You're unworthy. You're due wrath and punishment for eternity. Notice in verse 11, pardon me, verse 7, for everyone that is called by my name, it's the same word, shame, everyone that is called by my fame, by my glory, by my reputation. Who's Yahweh, Elohim, Kadosh, Yeshua, Jesus. Everyone that is in Jesus, he says then, you have a different reputation. Everyone is called by my name for I have created him for my glory. I formed him and I have made him. Brothers and sisters, God says thou art mine. And here's what I've written as I finish. Here's what I've written. I just jotted it down and I put it in brackets. You ready? Sovereign grace must lay hold upon you before you can lay hold upon sovereign grace. Well, how do I know? Well, how do I know if I belong to him? Well, it's simple. Peter tells you, make your calling and your election sure. Hi, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Trusting in Christ. Make your calling and election sure that you'll know that you are a child of God, born of the Spirit, washed in the blood, saved for eternity, sealed unto the day of our full redemption. Amen. Would you say praise the Lord? Isn't he worthy? He's worthy.